Today is the 10th day of November. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I'm Brian. It's great to be here with you today. And both of those things are totally true. I am Brian, and it is great to be here with you today as we take the next step forward in the adventure that we're on through the Bible this year. And our journey leads us back into the book of Ezekiel and back into the book of Hebrews when we get to the New Testament. So first, Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 1 through 22, verse 31. We're reading from the New Living Translation this week. Then this message came to me from the Lord, Son of Man. Turn and face Jerusalem and prophesy against Israel and her sanctuaries. Tell her, This is what the Lord says, I am your enemy, O Israel, and I am about to unsheath my sword to destroy your people, the righteous and the wicked alike. Yes, I will cut off both the righteous and the wicked, I will draw my sword against everyone in the land from south to north. Everyone in the world will know that I am the Lord. My sword is in my hand, and it will not return to its sheath until its work is finished. Son of man, groan before the people. Groan before them with bitter anguish and a broken heart. When they ask why you are groaning, tell them, I groan because of the terrifying news I have heard. When it comes true, the boldest heart will melt with fear. All strength will disappear. Every spirit will faint. Strong knees will become as weak as water. And the Sovereign Lord says, It is coming. It's on its way. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, give the people this message from the Lord. A sword, a sword is being sharpened and polished. It is sharpened for terrible slaughter and polished to flash like lightning. Now will you laugh? Those far stronger than you have fallen beneath its power. Yes, The sword is now being sharpened and polished. It is being prepared for the executioner. Son of man, cry out and wail. Pound your thighs in anguish, for that sword will slaughter my people and their leaders. Everyone will die. It will put them all to the test. What chance do they have, says the Sovereign Lord. Son of man, prophesy to them and clap your hands. Then take the sword and brandish it twice, even three times, to symbolize the great massacre, the great massacre facing them on every side. Let their hearts melt with terror, for the sword glitters at every gate. It flashes like lightning and is polished for slaughter. O sword, Slash to the right, then slash to the left, wherever you will, wherever you want. 
I, too, will clap my hands, and I will satisfy my fury. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, make a map and trace two routes on it for the sword of Babylon's king to follow. Put a signpost on the road that comes out of Babylon where the road forks into two. One road going to Ammon and its capital, Rabbah, and the other to Judah and fortified Jerusalem. The king of Babylon now stands at the fork, uncertain whether to attack Jerusalem or Rabbah. He calls his magicians to look for omens. They cast lots by shaking arrows from the quiver. They inspect the livers of animal sacrifices. The omen in his right hand says, Jerusalem. With battering rams, his soldiers will go against the gates, shouting for the kill. They will put up siege towers and build ramps against the walls. The people of Jerusalem will think it is a false omen because of their treaty with the Babylonians. But the king of Babylon will remind the people of their rebellion. Then he will attack and capture them. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Again and again you remind me of your sin and your guilt. You don't even try to hide it. In everything you do, your sins are obvious for all to see. So now the time of your punishment has come. O oh, you corrupt and wicked prince of Israel, your final day of reckoning is here. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Take off your jeweled crown, for the old order changes. Now the lowly will be exalted, and the mighty will be brought down. Destruction, destruction. I will surely destroy the kingdom, and it will not be restored until the one appears who has the right to judge it. Then I will hand it over to him. And now... Son of man, prophesy concerning the Ammonites and their mockery. Give them this message from the Sovereign Lord. A sword, a sword is drawn for your slaughter. It is polished to destroy, flashing like lightning. Your prophets have given false visions, and your fortune tellers have told lies. The sword will fall on the necks of the wicked for whom the day of final reckoning has come. Now return the sword to its sheath, for in your own country, the land of your birth, I will pass judgment upon you. I will pour out my fury on you and blow on you with the fire of my anger. I will hand you over to cruel men who are skilled in destruction. You will be fuel for the fire, and your blood will be spilled in your own land. You will be utterly wiped out, your memory lost to history. For I, the Lord, have spoken. Now this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, are you ready to judge Jerusalem? 
Are you ready to judge this city of murderers? Publicly denounce her detestable sins and give her this message from the Sovereign Lord. O city of murderers, doomed and damned, city of idols, filthy and foul, you are guilty because of the blood you have shed. You are defiled because of the idols you have made. Your day of destruction has come. You have reached the end of your years. I will make you an object of mockery throughout the world. O oh, infamous city, filled with confusion, you will be mocked by people far and near. Every leader in Israel who lives within your walls is bent on murder. Fathers and mothers are treated with contempt. Foreigners are forced to pay for protection. Orphans and widows are wronged and oppressed among you. You despise my holy things and violate my Sabbath days of rest. People accuse others falsely and send them to their death. You are filled with idol worshippers and people who do obscene things. Men sleep with their fathers' wives and force themselves on women who are menstruating. Within your walls live men who commit adultery with their neighbors' wives, who defile their daughters-in-law, or who rape their own sisters. There are hired murderers, loan racketeers, and extortioners everywhere. They never even think of me and my commands, says the Sovereign Lord. But now I clap my hands in indignation over your dishonest gain and bloodshed. How strong and courageous will you be in my day of reckoning? I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do what I said. I will scatter you among the nations and purge you of your wickedness. And when I have been dishonored among the nations because of you, you will know that I am the Lord. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, the people of Israel are the worthless slag that remains after silver is smelted. They are the dross that is left over a useless mixture of copper, tin, iron, and lead. So tell them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Because you are all worthless slag, I will bring you to my crucible in Jerusalem. Just as silver, copper, iron, lead, and tin are melted down in a furnace, I will melt you down in the heat of my fury. I will gather you together and blow the fire of my anger upon you, and you will melt like silver in fierce heat. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you will be like a polluted land, a land without rain. Your princes plot conspiracies just as lions stalk their prey. 
They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not, and they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath days, so that I am dishonored among them. Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money, and your prophets cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, My message is from the Sovereign Lord, when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them. Even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners of justice. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty for all their sins. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Hebrews 10, 1-17 The old system, under the law of Moses, was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the Scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. 
For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the Old Covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Psalm 108 A Song A Psalm of David My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises with all my heart. Wake up, lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Now rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. God has promised this by his holiness. I will divide up Shechem with joy. I will measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh too. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors, and Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings. But Moab, my washbasin, will become my servant and I will wipe my feet on Edom and shout in triumph over Philistia. Who will bring me into the fortified city? Who will bring me victory over Edom? Have you rejected us, O God? Will you no longer march with our armies? Oh, please help us against our enemies for all human help is useless. With God's help we will do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. Proverbs 27.12 A prudent person foresees danger 
and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Okay, in the book of Hebrews today, things continue to unfold and blossom like a flower before us as the greater context materializes. The greater story emerges. It's been emerging all along, but it, it's like we're at this vista now. And it's disruptive because it's, it's a true paradigm shift. And we've been talking about it all along, but it's explicit. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. On the other hand, Jesus came and his one sacrifice is for all time and sacrificial offerings are no longer required. We kind of talked about how this is like a paradigm shift, so kind of controversial and troubling on the one hand, but if it were true, what an utter relief it would be. And we talked about this yesterday. And today we see this is explicitly what's being said. So you have to imagine how Hebrew people who had the Mosaic law baked into their culture, who trying to live right and devout, would have difficulty embracing this because their whole lives they've been taught a different way. And now they have to kind of open up their eyes and wake up to something new that God is doing in the world and realize that they're the first ones in. So it's not like this group mentality where something has over time been brought into culture like we experience now in our faith. They're like the first ones. And so this is a big step of faith forward. So like if if someone came along and started saying, okay, all of you Gentile believers, you now need to practice animal sacrifice. God is doing a new thing and we're going back to the old way, but it's a new thing and you need to offer these sacrifices. Right? That would be hard for us to get our minds around in the same way that it would be difficult for them to make that step forward, even though, even though this was supposed to happen even though there was precedent for this new thing to come, all kinds of new things are coming down the pipe, just like they are now. And so we can see the tension in this that we don't normally see without context, because this is just a doctrinal statement about our faith. Like we we understand these things, that like the Jesus was the sacrifice once and for all. His blood covers all sins for all time. We no longer need to sacrifice. Like that's, the normal way of thinking. But if it weren't, right, we'd have to (laughs) take some time to be able to move in that direction prayerfully. And yet the writer of Hebrews is skilled enough to continually look back into the sacred Hebrew scriptures. So when we were talking about Melchizedek, we were talking about Psalm 110, 
But all throughout, there's these references back to prophetic utterances that are revealing that this is what's happening and it's happening right now. So Psalm 40 is quoted today as a a prophetic utterance supporting what they're saying. Jeremiah chapter 31 is quoted today as a prophetic utterance to show this is what's happening. And for we who are so far removed from this time, like we can get the book of Romans and we can get the book of Hebrews together and read them and go like, there, there's the complete doctrine of the Christian faith. But what's really going on historically is that Paul is out moving among the Gentiles. The gospel is spreading like wildfire among the Gentiles. The Jewish people, the Hebrew people are having a much more difficult time embracing this and for the most part they're not embracing this but this letter to the Hebrews is intended to be circulated and wrestled with and talked about among those people this is the document to those people to explain all of this in a very Hebrew centric context So it's not just a book of theological understandings and doctrines. It's a very missional letter offering language to explain the good news to a people who had rejected Jesus at face value, but because of all that came afterward, were considering. So we have the book of Hebrews as the basis for so much Christian doctrine. But the story that kind of lingers here behind the story is the tension that arises when God begins to do a new thing. So if we go back to the time when the book of Hebrews was written, God is doing a new thing and the writer of Hebrews is using the scriptures to show how that works. And in the process, it's setting aside old things in this case uh, the whole sacrificial system but God does new things when he chooses to do new things and we see the ways in which we uh, we struggle to move forward as God does new things inside of us or around us or among us and uh, we'll start telling each other our doctrine stories to explain away what God might be doing when it starts to mess with our little tidy box of theology. And all of a sudden, we become just like the Hebrew people that this was written to. And so there's a tension and a disruption exposed there behind the story. And so ultimately, we have to learn to hold on to our theology and doctrine loosely and hold on to the Father and the guidance of His Holy Spirit tightly when we believe God is beginning to do a new thing. And that is our prayer, Father. Like our brothers and sisters of old, we struggle. We try to put you in a box, try to explain you in every way that we can. We try to make doctrine around it. And these are our best efforts from finite minds and hearts to explain the infinite and almighty. And yet it is this infinite and almighty spirit that is within us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. 
And so we live within that tension and that mystery. And often we'll hang on to what we think that we know more tightly than we'll hold on to you. And we'll trust what we think we know more than we'll trust you. And the same invitation given to the Hebrew people in the book of Hebrews at that time is still given to us. The opportunity to be in a personal, first-hand, first-person relationship with you. And so, what can we do but what we do most every day? Invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. Well up within us. Spill out from us. Illuminate our path. Lead us into all truth. It is not information about you that we seek. It is you, your heart, your essence that we seek. And you have sought out the same thing in us from the moment of our birth. Union, collaboration, relationship. So come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is the website. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, you can do that at DailyAudioBible.com. There is a link. It's on the homepage. If you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always... If you have a prayer request or comment, 877-942-4253 is the number to dial. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Heidi Ho, siblings. It's me, your little sis, his little Cherie in Canada. I'm so grateful for everyone who has been praying for me. I happen to be able to listen to the community prayer this past week. I often can't, but I did hear a few people praying for me and I wanted to give you a shout out. Tony in Germany, I'm so grateful for your prayers. And yes, I believe that Holy Spirit will guide us to the things that will help and that we should follow the peace. Thank you for that. Panting Deer in Michigan, thank you for praying for me. I pray that your children who are going to the Ukraine with YWAM will be empowered and protected in Jesus' name. And Junk to Treasure, thank you so much for your prayers for me. I pray for you that you would be upheld, encouraged, infused with hope, and that things would change in your situation. And Dabber Drew in the Ozarks, thank you for your prayers for me. I loved how you said that Jesus is bigger than MS that he will use it for my good. Thank you for that encouragement. I pray that your court case would be kissed by God and that his will would be done and you would be sustained and helped in and through it. Be filled Bridget in New York. Thank you for your prayers for me. I pray that your daughter who's testifying for a second time would just be um, guided and strengthened and sustained. And Teal in Ohio, thank you for your message about the MS diet. 
I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. I didn't, I couldn't quite catch it. But um, I'm very aware of the MS diet. I did follow that protocol for a while. So thank you for passing that along to me. And thank you to everyone who has prayed for me. I love you guys. This is Alta Lima Pally on the 5th of November. Um, just um, heard about the little girl with Down syndrome have, that had heart surgery, I think, yesterday. Oh, bless that sweet little girl's heart. <laughs> More ways than one. Lord, I just pray that she'll have a great recovery and she'll be doing a lot better, Lord. And just heal her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, family. This is Biola from Maryland. I hope you're all doing well. Sitting here early in the morning listening to Daily Audio Bible. Um, Brian and Jill, God bless your ministry, your persistence, your faithfulness. May God reward you abundantly. Know him. I heard your prayer request. And even though I've prayed for your daughter, I just want to call in and pray over the air. Father Lord, we just want to thank you, God, for know him's daughter. Father Lord of heaven, you know, oh God, Lord, Father, this young lady, you created her, you delivered her. And when you deliver, Lord, you deliver completely. I remember, oh God, Mary Magdalene, the man at gatherings, oh God, you set them straight, you delivered them. Every foul spirit, oh God, Lord, of anger, narcissism, of self-destruction, oh God, that is still plaguing this young lady. Father, I join my faith with no hymns, oh God of heaven, and I bind them in the name of Jesus. I command you to go from this young lady's life completely in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I pray that you will set her free because he who the son has set free is free indeed. And Lord of heaven, I pray, O oh God, for a restoration of their marriage. I pray, I pray that you will touch the heart of our God-fearing husband. Oh God, speak to him, O oh God, Lord, Father. Let there be reconciliation, O oh God of heaven, in Jesus' name. Brian, I'm praying for Mitchell. Father, Lord of heaven, I pray for complete deliverance for Mitchell as well. When he does come out, O oh God, I pray that you will set him straight in the name of Jesus. Give him, O oh God, Lord, Father, supernatural encounters with you. Father, Lord, as he comes out of that mental institution, in the name of Jesus, O oh God of heaven, I pray that you will set this young man free. In Jesus' name, heal him completely, O oh God. Spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Hello, DAB family. This is Starting Over Sister in Texas. And I think I've called before. I fell um, at a gym on a concrete floor and fractured my elbow in 10 pieces in May and had our elbow replacement. And it's been really hard and a physical therapist was forcing my arm to try to straighten about a week and a half ago. And I don't know what happened, but it has enormously set me back in pain and inability to use my arm and my hand. And I'm so discouraged about it. I want like for a prayer for substantial healing so I can be able to use my arm and exercise again. Exercise was one of my few things um, I really enjoyed in life and it's kind of been taken away. So please pray uh, that God helps heal my arm, it's my elbow and my hand, all the nerves, I guess, are really damaged. So um, 
I'm very discouraged right now. Thank you for praying for me.